Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 159. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Larry Reinstein. Larry, are you feeling unstoppable today? I feel unstoppable every day, but today, Eric, especially unstoppable. <laughs> yes, all right. Larry is a graduate of Cornell University's School of Hotel Administration and has over 30 years of experience as a restaurant company owner, professional manager, and industry consultant. Larry founded and held the position of president and CEO for Fresh Concepts, the company that owned and operated brands including Fresh City, Super Salad, Planet Coffee, Fresh Concept Cafe, Pistachios, and Church Street Bar and Grill. He went on to serve Salsarita Fresh Cantina as president and had a huge impact on that brand's overall success. Today, he is serving as president of LJR Hospitality Ventures, where he offers strategic counsel to his clients. Additionally, he is the recipient of the Cornell Hospitality Innovative Award and the Best of the Best Food and Beverage Award from Young Presidents Organization. On top of all of this, he is the current chair of the National Association Fast Casual Industry Council. Larry, how do you do it all, man? <laughs> like, wow, man, it's so impressive. Well, thank you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, people in our business, we find ways to do many things and keep it going. And I think that's what makes it so much fun, having impact on lots of people, on yourself, and really making a difference. Yeah, every once in a while I get that guest on the show who has accomplished so much that I almost feel like I'm cheating them out of keeping a short introduction but you've just done so much i felt like i just had to put it all out there and you i can't wait to dive into this interview because i just feel like you're going to blow us away with some incredible advice and before we do dive into that beautiful restaurant mind of yours we need to get that inspirational motivational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra so what do you have for us today erica i would say that the way things are for me is 90 percent of winning and attaining your goals and achieving your dreams is persistence, and that that has been my mantra. You, you got to go with it, go for it, and stay with it, and just uh, it'll happen. It'll happen for you. Awesome! Just keep showing up every day. Uh, I can't wait to find out how we can be more persistent with this interview. So, tell us about you and like when you knew that this industry was more than just a job for you. Like when did you know you were going to make this industry your career? When I was thirteen years old. Um, I started working uh, for my father's fast food restaurant. I was flipping burgers. I was, uh, oh, toasting buns, cutting potatoes and frying potatoes, doing everything the old-fashioned way, which nowadays is the new-fashioned way, which is uh, really neat. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I knew about three months later, I went to my father, and I just said, I, uh, I want to stay in the restaurant business. And he said to me, okay, then you need to go to Cornell. And I said, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And uh, I've stayed with it ever since. Larry, was there a moment, though? Was there something that happened? Like, what was it about this industry that inspired you to stay with it? I mean, I love the action. It's right away when I was 13, 
we were busy and everybody uh, uh, collaborated together because one person couldn't make the restaurant tick. You know, it's the way all the different people together, basically, you know, produced a great product and service and experience for our guests. Um, it was the action. It's, it's so many different things that are going on in the restaurant business. And, and I always enjoyed team sports. I always enjoyed being part of a team and just all the different competencies associated with the restaurant business. And I could feel a few of them at that point in time. I, I love the action. Mm, absolutely. I totally know what you're saying. Like I've had my desk jobs and I promised myself I will never go back to sitting at a desk. There's something about this industry being on your feet. The workshops go by so fast. And then when you just have a killer or a stellar killer night and everybody just kills it. I mean, there's just a sense of accomplishment and everyone's making money. It's just the energy is great. Absolutely. I love it. So let's find out more about you, Larry. If you could narrow it down to just a couple of of your characteristics or habits that you think most contribute to your success? What would they be? Over the years, um, I've learned a lot, and I continue to learn a lot, and I have a, a real desire to learn. I think one of the most important things uh, folks can do is just uh, not be satisfied, not be still, not be the person with all the answers, but continually be the person with the questions who get more and more and more answers. So to me, that's an important part. Uh, I think sec secondarily what's really important to me is, is, is leadership and surrounding myself with great people. I think the most important and most fun part of this business is to have people around you that are better at what they do than what you are. And I think it's important for us all um, to be successful in our business, to be objective about who we are, what we do extremely well, and what we, where we have opportunities to learn and where we have opportunities for other folks to be better, and to surround ourselves with people that are stronger than we are in those particular areas. So I, I believe a key part of, of life and success is leadership, and leadership is having the right talent around you, and leadership is giving the talent the opportunity to excel, to make decisions, to succeed, and sometimes make mistakes, which allows them to succeed. Man, you're killing this interview already, Larry. I mean, such great um, it factors and characteristics to have. And I totally agree with that whole surrounding yourself with people. I mean, it's one of the things I've seen from all these great guests is they're, they're so good at just knowing their own strengths and weaknesses and making up for it by surrounding themselves with those who have the strengths where they're weak. And it's such a powerful it factor. Well, I would just say one of the more difficult things for many people to do is be objective about themselves rather than emotional. And I think it's important to know where you're strong and it's important to know where you're weak. Uh, you know, one of my favorite books going way back when is from Marcus Buckingham, Now Discover Your Strengths. And I can remember at a young age always trying to help people that were weak in certain areas get stronger in those areas. And the premise behind his book was try to have people who are strong in certain areas spend as much time as possible in those areas because that's where they're passionate, that's mm. where they'll excel. Yeah, when you so, do, yeah, absolutely. And it feeds into their it, higher it's a needs, key, too. It's a, it's, a, it's a key premise, mm -hmm. and, and I learned a lot from that. And then it always became about getting as much out of people in the areas where they excel. And, yes, unfortunately in this business, sometimes we have to do things where we don't excel because you have to do what you have to do to get by, mm. Eric. But, mm -hmm. but I would say to you that whenever you can get people doing the things they do best, they do a magnificent job. 
I love it. Larry, can you think of a time where one of these it factors, your, just, your desire to learn, your leadership abilities, and that uh, like talent you have for surrounding yourself with people who are better at certain things than you are, can you think of a specific story where one of these it factors really came out? And take us down to the moment. Walk us through the experience. You know, Eric, I have a lot of stories over the years, a lot of crazy stories <laughs> when I think back. But I like to sometimes go back to the beginning and in earlier years and, and when I opened my first uh, first restaurant and, uh, you know, the craziness. I, I was I was 23 years old and, uh, you know, I, I had restaurant experience. I had cooking experience. I've been doing it since I was 13 years old. But, uh, you know, doing the whole thing was pretty crazy. And, you know, we opened the original Super Salad concept. We had a, a pretty full kitchen. We were doing uh, fresh from scratch everything from soup, salads, dressing, but also things like lasagnas and quiches and parmesans and burgers. And everything was, everything, we made everything ourselves with the exception of uh, breads. We, we were breads. In fact, we were even doing baked goods, but we weren't doing breads. And I remember very early in, I had a chef who thought he had all the answers, and uh, he was difficult. Mm. And I was trying to manage him while we were developing all of our recipes and getting everything in place because in those days, I remember, you know, work which I got there at 7 in the morning, you left around midnight. And after the end of the first couple of months, I was pretty tired because that's oh, the way yeah. it was every every single day, and there were virtually no days off because there was there was no organization then. There were, you know, the right people weren't around me at that point in time. Yeah, and, and you, you, you're still 23 at this point? Yeah, I was 23 years old, oh, and, and uh, uh, I think we were into the restaurant about three months, and uh, my chef decided he was leaving. Only when he decided to leave, he was leaving. It was during the, I think it was 7 o'clock dinner rush. He just oh, walked man. out and never came back. Oh, so, uh, you, you know, a big part of me is uh, passion, persistence, and, and a desire to learn. Uh, in that particular situation, I just said, hey, you know, i got to take over the kitchen. That's just what I have to do. And uh, <laughs> am I a chef? Heck, I'm no chef. Uh, did I learn to do what I had to do? Absolutely. And, and uh, there were tons of crazy stories associated with that. But, but I, I think it's all about not being afraid to do what you have to do, getting involved. Uh, that, was a, that was a great learning experience for me, learning a heck of a lot more about food and the details. And I also got to a point where, you know, I never really wanted to have somebody work in the organization, but I didn't feel like if I had to take over for it, or ultimately, as we get bigger, someone else had the ability to take over for that person. So we were never really vulnerable to the same point. Mm. But that, that was that was great, great learning for me. I didn't feel like it was great learning at the time. I felt like it was no fun at all. But I, I think it was very helpful for the long-term picture. Absolutely. And I have to say, I think it really says a lot about your leadership to, to be that person who is willing to do the job and just to, to get in there and get your, your hands dirty. But when you do things like that, when you take over and you steer the ship and you just jump into these roles, like everyone has so much more respect for you um, that you are willing to get down and work beside your people too. And I love how you mentioned how you learned that you would never make your business a, a people-dependent business again. Uh, do you want to like dive a little bit more into that? Sorry. I believe... Eric, that you have to be an extremely people-dependent business, and I believe that uh, we're not in the restaurant business. In a lot of respects, we're in the people business serving food. Mm -hmm. However, you have to create a team in an organization where there's always somebody capable 
of taking on a role in case somebody decides to move on. Mm. I also believe in, in great organizations. You want to develop people to their peak. You want to keep providing them opportunities. But if the day comes when you don't have a great opportunity for someone and they can do something better elsewhere, you should actually encourage them to move on to the next oh, place. Oh, yeah, I love but that, it. But to me, that's tremendous and that is planned. Mm-hmm. It's when you have, you know, when you go through transition and people that isn't planned, uh, it's really necessary to always have a backup plan in place so the organization continues to move forward. So uh, I think you just have to be ready. Mm. It would be uh, my answer to that. Awesome stuff, Larry. I love where this conversation is going. You're giving us great advice, awesome stories. So now we need to talk about a time, Larry, where you just fell hard on your fanny with a failure. And then tell us how you got back up and what you learned from this failure. Um, well, the good news or the bad news, Eric, is I've fallen hard in my butt many times. I, I think that that's just the nature of being in business. You you have to be willing to take risks to be successful. You have to be willing to make mistakes. And I think the most important thing is to get up and keep going. Eric, I can think back where I had uh, some real help from some folks. And this goes back to when we created the uh, Fresh City Wraps concept, which ultimately became the Fresh City concept. And this was in the early days of Fast Casual. We created a really terrific concept that uh, uh, there really wasn't much like it, especially on the East Coast. And we had great reviews from the local writers. We had uh, a wonderful design. We just had great product. We worked so hard at it. And we had one problem. We just weren't doing enough business, and we were losing money. No. And that's a big problem that happens <laughs> yeah. in the restaurant business. Absolutely. And, you know, I was extremely self-critical. What are we doing wrong? What are we doing wrong? And just continuing to work at everything, you know, mm-hmm. talking to guests, and we continue to get good reviews, et cetera. And I remember going to a, uh, a conference and, and confiding in, in someone, you know, the problems we were having there. And this was a smart person who I'd known for a long time. And he looked at me and he says, I know exactly what your problem is. You have a, a lunch location, you have a lunch concept in a dinner location. Mm. And I stopped and I said to myself, this guy's got it exactly. <laughs> and I knew, I knew what we had to do. And it's so easy in this business to beat yourself up about what you've done wrong when a lot of times you've done a lot of things right. Mm-hmm. But in, in that particular case, unless we totally changed the concept, there was no real cure for creating success. We could have continued to work with it and ultimately have it make a little money. But over time, we decided that was going to be a great starting point for the concept, which uh, uh, Fresh City's been going strong for, uh, uh, I guess, almost, it'll be almost 20 years for that particular concept, and other people operate it now. We, we sold it. But a lot of it came from that start in that particular restaurant. So I guess... Just being willing to listen and learn, that was a great learning for me. I think that, uh, yeah. Going through that story. I think that just that lesson of just being willing to listen, so many times I feel like people have this vision, have this dream, and this passion, and they just have this one concept and they are not willing to budge from it. And sometimes they, their concept doesn't match the location. They have, they, and you have to be willing to give a little before you can get. And that ability just to listen to people and to talk to your guests, to find out what you can do to make them happy, is something I think a lot of people can't do well. Well, Eric, one of the big issues in this business, and I believe I learned it 
reasonably young is uh, you have to put your ego aside. Mm. Uh, you have to do what's best for the guests, best for your employees, your team, and, you know, the community, and ultimately best for yourself. The best leaders are humble. It's not about them. It's about the cause, the mission. The, mm. the great restaurants and the great cultures today are very, very cause-driven. And, and I think a lot of times uh, people that are in charge really aren't looking for the best ideas. They're looking for their ideas, but truly the really successful ones become very open to learning from others, and that's something I learned along the way. Oh, absolutely. Um, and more about that topic, if you haven't read or heard of Simon Sinek's uh, and Start With Why, he totally spells out the power of just starting with a vision and starting with a cause and starting with why. And I think that's a great, yeah. oh man, so awesome. But yeah, so much power in that, and we are doing great. Uh, we pounded through the first half of this interview, and you're just dropping so much great advice on us. And I can't wait for you to drop these bombs of knowledge now. Are you ready to dive into the speed round? Sure. <laughs> All right. The first question I have for you, Larry, is what is your advice for getting that initial capital to get started? You know, it varies a lot. Eric, depending upon the situation. But I would say that most of the time when people start the first restaurant, if they don't have the money on their own, it really comes, capital comes from friends and family, and that's the realistic place to expect to get it from. I, I think a lot of folks go about trying to do their first restaurant and are trying to get money from uh, outsiders, and it's difficult. Mm -hmm. Not impossible, but difficult. Uh, I would say if you have the passion and dream, you want to get it done, uh, Get it together from as many people as you know who are doing it more for you than the business plan itself. You need a business plan. You need an approach for you to believe in. Mm -hmm. And you need to show it to folks so they understand it. But most of the time, that capital is going to be coming from people who are investing in you personally. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's Sometimes people get so caught up, and it's important to have that business plan and to have all of your numbers straight and to get all that stuff you know, square. But at the end of the day, I really do believe what you're saying is people are investing in you and who you are as a person um, and what you're doing, what your cause. What, like, you know, like we said, start with why. Like, why are you starting a restaurant? And what do you think? I mean, what can we do to make people buy into us? And, you know, how is your restaurant going to differentiate from others out there? Yeah. And, uh, you know, just how passionate are you about what you're doing? What, um, what can it, we it really do? Is, I'm curious. What, what's your advice for, like, having people buy into us? Um, you know, the more you believe in what you're doing, the more you've thought it out, the more experience you have. Um, it's better to have more experience working for others and learning, mm. uh, even though it seems difficult to say, I, you know, I'm going to wait two, three, four, five, ten years before I start my restaurant. We are very much in an entrepreneurial world with tons of small businesses doing extremely well. But I do think there's a lot to be said, and a lot of the most successful people out there have learned from others so that when they go in, they have a much greater chance. Oh, the yeah. other thing I would say is when you raise capital, even from friends and family, treat that capital as if it was your own mm -hmm. because – that's the way you have to think. Would you put your money forward in this project? Will it provide the return that, you know, it deserves to get? How well did you think that out? 
Mm-hmm. And I think it's harder for people in this industry to do that, to, to go work for other people, because we tend to be people who are very, you know, uh, goal oriented. We have our own visions and we have this idea of what we want to be doing. It's hard to go work for other people sometimes, but we can learn so much by getting that experience. And I think it's, you know, it's totally worth it, like you say, to, to go out there and work for people to get that, just that when people are investing in you, they're investing in more almost like you're building equity and experience and uh, you're going to be so much easier to sell yourself when you have that experience than just trying to dive out there and doing it without that experience. It's so important. And I would also say to you, Eric, that it's much harder to have somebody teach you on a daily basis or regular basis when you're the boss. Mm. You have to really go outside to get that help. When you work with somebody else, there's somebody else there that can teach you that you can continue to grow with. Um, so it's a real advantage, especially in the formative years, because it's just more sources of knowledge to you. Mm, absolutely. Great stuff. So what's your advice on hiring good people? Where are you looking? What questions are you asking? You know, to me, the most important thing we do is not even create the concept. It's, it's hire the people around us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I'm a firm believer in and in, in, you need to take the time with people. Um, I believe that the interview process should be obviously a few people on board, but the owner uh, and ultimately the person in charge until the company really becomes large should be involved in hiring as many of the people as possible. Um, Eric, it starts with hiring positive attitudes. Um, that's the most important thing you can get with folks. Um, somebody who's positive, somebody who thinks about winning, um, Optimistic people about themselves and about others. Uh, again, highly optimistic, key. Mm. Um, patience and persistence with a long-term view. Uh, integrity, doing what's right. Um, a burning desire to learn. And then uh, confidence. I mean, how, um, do you, how do you know when you find the person with these qualities, though? Is there something that um, they'll say, a way they behave or, or act? Um. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think if you spend time with people, and uh, again, good interviews, the interviewer doesn't do too much talking. Mm-hmm. The interviewer asks questions, listens, and learns, and puts a story together. And mm. the story makes sense about what a person wants and why. And I think most of the time, you can be successful. But what I will say to you Uh, One of the cardinal rules, and it's not necessarily a nice rule, but I think it's the right rule, is is that you hire slowly and you fire fast Mm. because you're you're going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Nobody has a perfect record in hiring. Once you realize you make a mistake, it's better to make that person move on. It's better for that person. It's better for that team, and it's better for you. And uh, there's a tendency in our industry to keep people much longer than they should be kept when everybody knows that person's not the right person. And I will tell you, there are a lot of kitchens you can talk to the crew. They'd rather work one person shorthanded than to work with that person. Oh, or people yeah. out front would rather have, you know, handle the stations or handle the line uh, themselves without that person. So, so I, I think it's really important, again, you're better off being shorthanded and having a great team than to get the wrong folks on the team so hire slowly, and if you make mistakes, just uh, move those people out quickly. Yeah, it's so important. And tell us what happens, Larry, when you do get infiltrated and you do get this bad egg, and like what can happen 
when when you just let that happen? <laughs> well, you know, the, the ownership and leadership have got to make decisions about their brand, mm-hmm. and they have to decide how important it is to them to really keep what they want. And the larger you get, the easier it becomes to lose the essence of who and what you are and what's important. And when you lose the talent level of people, they don't care the same way. Mm. And all of a sudden, the product comes out just a little bit less quality. Mm. The smile is a little bit less apparent. The service, the thank you, the warmth, the understanding, and your whole brand starts to fall apart slowly but surely. Mm-hmm. So it's really the people that carry it out every single day. It's up to the leadership to have the vision and to take care of the people. Mm. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, <laughs> I couldn't agree more. And I mean, you let these people in sometimes, right? And they just, if you get that one person that gets in, they, they kind of, I think, uh, Denny Myers calls it skunking. You know, they can bring everybody down too. Uh, and there's so, so much. Totally. You have leaders in your restaurant. And a lot of times the leaders in your restaurant of your team, if you're not careful, become the people who are the most disruptive to the organization mm-hmm. because they're the ones speaking up. Um, so, so you have to really manage closely and just move those folks along. I love it. So when you find these incredible people, Larry, what do you do to keep them on your team? Well, I, I think first thing is, you make sure they're compensated fairly, and I always believe in paying a little bit more, mm-hmm. not a little bit less than average. But I also don't think that compensation is what drives the whole process, especially in today's world. I, I think people are very mission-driven. Um, I mean, why would people be working in restaurants if it was only about money? Mm. Um, there are a lot of easier ways to make money than the restaurant business. But oh, yeah. when you have a cause... And I think there are a lot of companies out there today doing a great job of getting the people to rally around what they're doing, how they're treating the food, um, you know, the locally sourced, um, the quality of the ingredients that are used there, the freshness, the approach, the attitude. If you create a great culture where people really want to be there, then people are going to stay. And I I think there's going to be an open environment where you're ready to listen, you're ready to give people an opportunity um, when I go when I go into restaurant concepts all the time and consult, I want to talk to the employees and the guests. Sometimes even more than I want to talk to the leadership because they all really know what's going on. <laughs> and I, I, I think if you communicate with your employees, you'll learn. You'll learn what kinds of changes you need to make. You'll learn what the guests really want, and, and you can provide that. Uh, I'm not a believer in the ivory tower. I'm a believer that. Uh, ownership and and, uh, professional managers uh, have to lead, uh, but I also believe that they have to listen, and I think the further away they get from the guests, the more decisions are made, not necessarily for the right reasons. Mm, Awesome advice. Great stuff. So I can tell you're well-read. I'm curious. You've already mentioned one book. Are there any other books or resources that you just love uh, that you think are just must-reads or must-references that you can share with us today? There, there are tons of books I've read over the years. I mean, the classics from people like Jim Collins of Good to Great or Built to Last are, are, are great books. Um, there are, most of the books that really get me excited are about leadership styles. And off the top of my head, I can't think of any, but there are, there are several that come to mind. But it's really about uh, leadership styles and developing people 
that really get me excited because the best organizations inv invariably have the best talented people that stay. I will tell you in today's world, Eric, um, with the Food Network and all the great things that have happened, there is more culinary talent than there's ever been before. However, uh, having the talent and having the ability to execute are two different games. And execution comes from that level of talent everywhere and that desire to persist and consistently execute. Yeah, and I mean, one thing, too, I feel like this is an industry where you're not going to make a ton of money. And it's so important that you are somebody who can lead and tap into those higher needs because you can't keep people around with bad paychecks. You have to tap, like give them the whys, the causes. Like you can go work for any restaurant in whatever city you're in, but what makes them want to work for you? And what is it about you that makes people want to be behind you? And I think that's, you know, to tap onto what you're saying with these leadership books, it's so important. I mean, can you think of just one that comes to mind that is just – has just stuck with you and is a must-read? Well, I mean, I'll come back to Good to Great by Jim Collins. I, I think that's great. I, you know, a lot of discussion is about uh, leadership uh, being humble. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of the, uh, the great leaders out there, uh, again, it's not about them. It, it's, about, it's about the mission. It's about mm -hmm. the cause and them being part of the team. And I think a lot of great leaders are willing to do whatever it takes in their presence, and they, they, they speak people but they listen a lot to their people mm, awesome i'm just in the middle of reading that i just started it and i have to pick it back up because it's been mentioned a few times on the show thank you for sharing that with us larry so the next question i have for you is on the topic of marketing what's one knowledge bomb you can drop on us in regards to marketing and i think that's one you know topic that really intimidates a lot of people you know from a, a marketing standpoint first of all i, I think that it, it, be, it begins with looking at your brand and saying, what is my brand? What is the positioning my brand has and how does it differentiate from other brands in the marketplace? And then making sure that everything you do is part of that positioning. To me, marketing is a huge topic and, and, you know, we can go a lot of places with it. But what happens with a lot of restaurants is they start out being something and slowly but surely they become something else. And it becomes less clear in the minds of the consumer exactly who and what they are. So uh, I believe it begins with, again, sticking to the positioning, making sure you know exactly what it is and that it's clear to everyone. And then ultimately, I, I hate to get too basic, but if every single guest that came into your restaurant left happy, you would never have to spend a dime on marketing <laughs> so because true. you'd have more guests than you knew what to do with. And uh, I'm a firm believer in marketing from uh, uh, social, social media and awareness and, and, and just being up on every single thing that people are saying out there and how to communicate with folks. I'm a firm believer in four walls marketing, having the messages in your restaurants that you want to get to the consumer. And I'm a firm believer in owning a few miles around the restaurant so that everybody in the community is talking about you. Mm. But I, I do think the number one thing is, Make every single guest happy, and you'll have a happy restaurant. Absolutely. And to bring it back to brands and how important brands are, I mean, what's your best advice on keeping people on track to staying true to their brand? Like, what's the one thing we can do to make sure we know what that brand is and always come back around to delivering on that brand? Well, I, I think it begins with the menu. Um, if you're a Mexican restaurant and you're serving burgers, 
are you still a Mexican restaurant? Why, why is the burger on there? Um, so I, I think the core is every single time you make a menu change, if it doesn't fit in with what your positioning is, I would just ask you why you're doing it. Mm. And I think there's a, a certain discipline that needs to come into play when you set up a vision for what your concept is. And there's a need to stay within certain borders. It doesn't mean you can't keep stretching certain things as long as it correlates with who you say you are. Mm. Awesome stuff. Great. Um, so the next question I have for you, Larry, is on the topic of technologies. I mean, this industry is always evolving faster than ever currently. And there's so many tools we can use to leverage efficiency, productivity, profitability, back of house and front of house. So are there any th- tools that have recently caught in your eye that you would suggest we implement into our restaurants today to just be more effective? Um. It's one of the most exciting areas of the business, and there are so many exciting areas of the business right now. But, uh, it, you know, depending upon whether, you know, what category you're in, you know, from uh, fine dining all the way down to QSR, um, I, I think right now, certainly in fast casual and to a limited extent QSR and casual, we're, we're going to see a lot more happening with your PDA. Uh, I think payment solutions and loyalty and everything all developed and built in. Uh, becomes more and more critical. I think one of the key things is uh, ultimately deciding who you're going to work with and how do you simplify it so you don't have too many different vendors associated with it from a complication standpoint. Of course, it all begins with your POS, and then it goes to your back office. But there's a relationship coming in the future where really what you're doing and what you're learning from the back of the house is very tied into what your guests are doing up front. I mean, back office... What kind of food inventory system do you have? Do you have a crunch time? Do you have an ultrametrics? Do you have a, a restaurant magic? I mean, what kind of system do you have? Um, and, again, can you tie in labor and food at the same time as opposed to having separate systems for labor and food? And, again, uh, are you working with an OLO for online ordering? Are you working, you know, what's your loyalty program you have going? And how are all these, these things tying together? Uh, I think... The consumer is demanding, Eric, uh, a lot more when it comes to technology and ease and simplicity of everything, and uh, our management needs to have everything at their fingertips so they can make the right decisions and information. So I guess the answer is there's a ton happening in technology, and I I think you need to have a strategic plan as opposed to a tactical plan for how you're going to get all the knowledge and be able to uh, provide it to the management and, and for guests. Wow. <laughs> that was a lot of information, but I totally agree with you. I mean, I'm seeing it more and more. You, you saw these like these companies being formed where they had a solution to one problem, and then they grow, and then they start like growing horizontally. Now they have different solutions to different problems, and you can go to one vendor who can solve a lot of your different problems. I think a great example is Long Range Systems. I had them on the show, and they're known for yep. their paging, but now they do paging uh guest surveying, uh, wait listing, and it's, it's all like a one-stop shop. It's really interesting to see how the different companies are evolving. Are, are there any other examples you can think of? I mean, Long Range Systems is a good example. They do a really nice job. They're good people, and uh, they do a real nice job. But I, I think you'll find that uh, it's going on in lots of cases. I think the key is do they have expertise in each of these areas, or are you buying something where you've got one thing that's best of breed but the other ones aren't? And I think with a lot of different types of software, it's about integrating and making sure that the system, your POS system that you start with, 
can integrate with all kinds of different things so that you can have, you're going to have some other companies that you're working with software-wise, but to minimize the amount yeah. is really the solution. So would you suggest, just to be clear, that you go with one vendor who has solutions for a lot of problems, or would you go to the best vendors who have the best solution for, for each individual problem? Uh, Eric, in my mind, it, it's a combination. I think the most important thing is to start with the right point-of-sale system and uh, from the point-of-sale system find your way to the back office. And from there, I think you're going to end up probably with a couple of different solutions uh, front-of-the-house-wise uh, between loyalty, gift, and, and data collection and, you know, online ordering. It'll probably end up being a couple. Mm-hmm. And. Are there any resources, Larry, you can think of? You said the be- the first place to start is to you know look at a, a POS system that's right, but is there a place where we can go to find the right POS system for us that you can recommend? Well, I mean, there are conferences like the uh, Food Service Technology Conference, which takes place uh, annually. I think Mertech uh, is an annual annual conference. So I, I would I would encourage people, and I know there's only so much time. I happen to find the Food Service Technology Conference, FS Tech, which is in D.C. this year, extremely valuable because you have an opportunity to look at so many different, uh, uh, so much different software and pieces mm. of hardware and just equipment and, and hear from a lot of the leadership out there, both in small business and in large business in terms of technology. Yeah. Uh, one resource I can think of is uh, posadvice.com. A past guest was on the show. Uh, I'll link to that in the show notes. But uh, he lists all the different options that are out there, and he kind of breaks them down. Uh, so I'll try to link to that for you folks listening at home. And the next question I have for you, Larry, is if you could, yeah, if you could go back in time, Larry, to the time you're 23 years old, you're opening your first restaurant, if you could give yourself one piece of business advice, what would it be? I would say the most important advice that I would provide to anyone is make sure you are capitalized properly in terms of whatever you decide to do. And that means having enough money to do things the right way, but also having the right money. Mm-hmm. And the first restaurant can come from friends and family if that's what it takes. But if you really want to build something, if you want to be an emerging chain, and there's been a lot of terrific activity with emerging chain private equity companies right now, uh, if you can attract the right capital, which means it's better not to have 50 investors. It's better to have one, two, or three uh, and people that can provide a little bit more input than just uh, providing input in terms of his money. But people that have business experience, people that maybe have some knowledge of the industry, uh, and people can help you. Some, you might find your investor is really uh, sharp when it comes to real estate. You mm-hmm. might find your investor is really sharp when it comes to legal uh, or financial aspects of the business. But, you know, getting that value added and having that understanding um, having the right investor or investors is critical and having the right capital plan. I would say that would be the most important thing, Eric. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. And that kind of really reminds me of what so many of these successful restaurateurs are doing. They're just investing in people who have that passion, who have that talent and that drive. You go to work for these people. They see it in you. You learn from them. And they know they're going to lose you because they, you have what it takes to go on to do greater and better things for yourself. They invest in you, and they have all the experience, and they can hold your hand and show you what to do. And they, I think that's like one of the biggest lessons I've learned from studying people like Danny Meyer and like Lettuce and Entertainment. 
Tainu and all these amazing restaurant groups. I mean, they just literally it's people investing in those with the, the right stuff. Totally. Totally. And, and <laughs> sorry, uh, it's got really um, worked up. <laughs> no, no, it's great. Uh, absolutely true. If people are, are out there and passionate, passionate, and they're great people. They though have to make sure they get the right capital around them to get where they want to go. Thank you. Thank you for really breaking down what you meant by right capital. Cause I was a little foggy on that when you said it and you went and you explained it all and it totally makes sense. So, those are all the questions I have for you. I mean, are there any questions I could have asked you that you think would have brought more value to this interview? Uh, there is so many different aspects uh, of the of the restaurant business that we could, uh, you know, we could talk about. I, uh, you know, I will just say to you that I think there's so many great things happening in the industry today, more than ever before. It's an exciting time to be consulting in the industry. It's an exciting time to be a consumer in the industry because there's a, a multitude of what's happening, uh, tre- you know, trend-wise. Um, I, I just think right now you, what makes our industry so fantastic, Eric, is people are into local source, they're into health, but they're also into indulgent and, and craveable. And, uh, you know, there's any kind of concept well executed today uh, can be successful. And I, and I think that's fantastic in any single aspect of it. The consumer craves great concepts executed well. So, you know, that's, that's something I would just say to you. I would continue to say that execution is more important than anything. Getting it right every single time um, I think is, is critically important. Yeah, and just so, to drive home the point you made earlier, and I think I, I picked up on it, but what's the most important part of having an effective concept? You know, it's really focusing on what you want to provide the guests based upon what you sense is the place in the market that needs to be served and really tuning in and achieving that every day with every single guest. To me, an, an effective concept delivers on the promise that we're giving. If you're in the taco business, do tacos extremely well. That means the quality of the food, but also the quality of service, the experience, the environment, and every single thing that the guest is looking for. And, again, doing the research. And sometimes as small businesses, you can't afford to spend a lot of money on research, but you can spend a lot of time with guests. Manage from the front of the house, not the back of the house because your guests are out in the front of the house, and that means whether you're in QSR, fast casual, or casual dining. Management needs to spend enough time out front with the guests, making sure we're delivering on the promise, Mm. because it's much better to make sure the guest is happy before they go on social media and start commenting on Facebook, Twitter, and every other place about the type of experience they had. Better to give them a great experience there. So uh, that's that's what I mean by, by really being effective. I love it. Great stuff. You've been awesome. We're going to wrap it up, Larry, with having you call out one indie restaurant professional uh, that you just admire and think would make a great guest mentor on the show. Well, you know, I can give it a few thoughts. There, there are great people like, you know, Danny Meyer, everybody talks about, and, and, and someone like Sam Fox from Fox Restaurant Concepts who's terrific. Um, but, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for just, People out there getting started and doing it and why they did it and how they're creating it 
Um, to me, the stars of today are the people that continue to take the risks and go out and go for it and create these unique concepts. I see them everywhere. I travel the country, and uh, I see so many uh, outstanding new restaurant concepts. So it's hard for me to say one. I think a lot of us know the leaders that are out there in the industry that have done a great job going way back when, people like Richard Melman, who let us entertain you, et cetera. But I, but I really think the new stars are in the creative process right now. All right. Well, uh, I couldn't uh, agree more, and I, it's really exciting. And it's, I mean, there's just so many great people I can talk to out there. And, I, yeah, I totally hear what you're saying. It's, it's a really exciting time for sure. And um, I guess let the folks at home know, Larry, how they can connect with you, if they've been inspired, if they've found value in your advice today and they want more from you, how can we connect? Um, best way to connect with me is on my uh, website, okay, and, and to reach me at ljr at ljrventures.com. Um, what, what I've been doing, which is really fun, is I've been helping people incubate new brands, but I've been spending a lot of time, Eric, really with emerging chains uh, as they hit inflection points. When somebody's at five units or ten units or three units, and they decide they want to franchise, or they decide they want to raise capital, or they want to go out of state. Helping people along uh, with their brands and helping them before they make a major mistake and helping them get it done faster and more effectively. And it's fun. I've met so many terrific entrepreneurs, and uh, in a very short period of time, you can help people achieve their vision, which is most fun for me. Awesome. Great stuff, Larry. Uh, I'll have links to your uh, website on the show notes. You can go to www.LarryReinstein, or sorry, www.RestaurantUnstoppable.com slash Larry Reinstein, and you'll find all those links right there. Larry, thank you so much again for being a guest mentor on the show. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thanks, Eric. It was a pleasure to spend the time with you, and I wish everybody well. Thank you. Cheers. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurants Unstoppable, and Larry just killing it today. Such a great guest. Like always, we always have such great guests here, and I'm just so pumped and grateful for that. All right, guys, if you enjoyed this show and you want more shows like it, shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com, to tell me who you think would make a great guest mentor on the show, whether they're a consultant, general manager, executive chef, restaurateur, chef owner. I'm looking for successful restaurant professionals to be guest mentors on the show. Or there's a topic you can think of, let me know. I'll get an expert on the show to discuss that topic so we can all learn together. And don't forget to check out www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash books and tools to find a complete list of the books and tools our guests have suggested on the show. Uh, it's coming from those who use these tools who are proven successful. I mean, you can't ask for anything better. This is a melting pot of mentors. Take advantage of it. Uh, I know I am, and it's been a blast so far. So until next time, peace out.